Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. I'm joined by Aaron. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm happy, excited, thrilled, a little bit tired, but yeah, ready to talk some really exciting cricket. I'm right there with you. Sleep deprived and over the moon would probably be the my my pronouns right now. Yes, yeah, if we have if we have to use such pronouns, well, I'm probably falling. Into, well, I, I didn't I didn't show as much dedication to Judy as what you did. I I flaked out about oh. It was after it was uh, it was after I forget the last wicket that I said it might have been Kerry was the last wicket I seen. So four thirty yeah. in the morning with uh, and then my alarm was set to go off at seven. I was there. <laughs> I jumped up and down and went yes 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 I love it. Well done. Bedtime. <laughs> yes. So the euphoria lasted just a brief few seconds, just enough to just enough to stimulate you before you went to bed. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so for those of you that are just what are these guys talking about? Obviously, we're talking about the first Ashes Test between Australia and England with a thrilling two wicket victory to the Aussies, championed by a very clutch batting innings uh, from Pat Cummins and uh, Nathan Lyon at the death, chasing 170 with seven wickets at hand on day five after what has been a, a, a gripping test match. The Aussies managed to, to, to stick the landing, a 55-run partnership between the Cummins and Lyon, steered them home with about 25 balls to spare. Uh, it was actually 27. 27 balls 27 to spare. 27 balls to spare. The details are important. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be having a review of what went right, what went wrong, um, and uh, where do each team go from here. And uh, we'll finish the podcast, of course, with the fact that the women's ashes are about to Which, start. Which, again, is very exciting for us cricket lovers because, I mean, I'm an unabashed fan of the Australian women's cricket team. I think over a period of time they have been they're in the, the highest echelon of Australian sporting teams ever to grace the field in our colours. And that's in every sport, men, women, however you want to put it. They are the absolute cream of the crop. And they get to strut their stuff against England, so that's even more exciting. And uh, just for a little bit of excitement, a bit close to home for us, uh, young Phoebe Litchfield, 20-year-old from Orange, who's from our neighbouring town. Yes. She looks like she's odds-on to be given her baggy green uh, and likely open in the batting with uh, um, Alyssa with, Healy with, shuffling down the order. Yes, with the legendary Beth Mooney. If, I, if there's ever an Australian woman who deserves to finish her career with a test century, it's Beth Mooney. So we've got all that great cricketing goodness coming up straight after this. Here we go. Ryan Harris. As a neutral, 
I don't think you could have asked for a better start to the Ashes. And if you're Australian, you obviously can't ask for a better start to the Ashes either. You always want to come away 1-0. But uh, this test, I think, if you're going to break it down to something like a fable, you'd almost say it was like the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to see that England have been as good at as good as to their word. They're going to come out and they're going to play their way. Um, I was very, very pleased that for the majority of the time we played our game. We didn't really get sucked into playing at the tempo because that's what buzzball basically is about, really, isn't it? It's about upping the tempo of the game, really trying to push it forward, being aggressive with the bat, aggressive with the ball. Um, and it would be very easy to get dragged along with that. Um, I think we did on the most part, a very, very good job in not getting dragged along into that because it's not our style. We play the way we play. They want to play the way that they play. And the side effect of the way they play is they have this effect that they the other teams will need to try and compete with them. Well, you, you, we show you don't need to compete with them. You don't need to try and outscore them. You just need to exercise control over your own game. Yes, yeah, so uh, obviously we, we arrived at Edgebaston. Uh, ben Stokes has been talking in the lead-up to this series that he wanted fast, uh, flat, wicket. fast whack wickets. I think he got half of that right. He got certainly got a flat wicket. I don't think it was particularly fast. And it, it just looked like yeah, it's the writing on the wall. Won the toss, and something unexpected for us, we assumed that he would likely uh, bowl first to give yeah. him that fourth innings uh, run chase that they're so good at, but they batted first. And, uh, yeah, Basball was on, on full display. They got out. They uh, ended up scoring uh, 393. Uh, there was some quite a few players in there that did their thing. Zach Crawley came out, punched that first ball off Pat Cummins to the covers. In well, I mean, to be quite honest, if Pat Cummins opens the te- opens bowling in another 100 test matches, he will never bowl as bad a ball as that again. But I, I think what simulates that is... A normal test batsman will go, oh, that's a free one. Oh, let's just let that go, settle the nerves. I haven't been given a goal, and that's a big, easy leave. Yeah. And Zach Crawley's gone on punching that through the covers before, and I think that's that's typical of what Basball is. Uh, ben Stokes was incredibly sporting after a, a brilliant, brilliant innings from Joe Root, 118. He's, he's just, he really has just gone to another level. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago we were talking about Joe Root in terms of is that it for him? You know, with the amount of 50s yeah, when in was, relation to hundreds and, and that captaining. sort of stuff when he was captaining, um, relieving himself of the captaincy has probably been the best thing that's ever happened to him because he is elite and deservedly ranked the number one batsman in the world now. Uh, and so, yeah, so they've marched on, declared it's uh, eight for 393 and, and, and set the game up. Many argue that was probably too reckless a declaration and they could have batted well into, uh, into day two and uh, just really boss the game. But you know, as Ben Soakes has always said, that he's always looking to push the game on and make sure that the, the best way to win is what he's doing. Uh, and for the Australians, that they were uh, criticised heavily for starting the game essentially on the back foot, defensive, an un-Australian way of doing things. It was thrown out a lot. You know, uh, Kumar Sangakara and Kevin Peterson were out there getting stuck into him. Uh, Mark Taylor and Ricky Ponting were out there severely questioning the the overly defensive tactics of, of Australia. But um, I think the criticism is is valid, but I don't necess- I think it's overblown. I think the commentators got caught up very much in the flashiness of Basball and and really overstated how far ahead of the game England were. England uh, don't get me wrong, England were ahead of the game right up until probably when they needed twenty to win. On day five, yeah. I would say England were ahead of the game. But the way that some of the English commentators and the uh, and, and the pundits were talking about it is Australia were way, they were out of the game, they were way behind. And I don't think that was the case. No, I never, I, at no stage did I ever... England bossed the game, okay? Now, there's a difference between bossing the game, which is essentially pushing things along to suit yourself. Sure, they had the opportunity to do that, and they did it. That's the way that they play. But we were able to resist them on a lot of occasions. And there were actually periods in their second innings where Basball wasn't working and they decided that they I thought there were periods in both innings. I mean, when you look yeah. at it, we dismissed the, their top five in both innings, five for 175. And I think in the second innings, they were five for 150. Now, you take yeah. all of the 
the the hype around the hyperbole around Basball out of it. If mm. if I said to you, we'll have the first five wickets out in both innings, and the team won't have made two hundred. Yeah. You're taking that every day of the week. You're and, saying that the batting lineup is is yeah. in a bit of jeopardy there. That's the, that's the chink in the basketball armor, isn't it? That you know you might be able to get the five for 150, but you might you get there really quick. But in that situation, you're allowing the opposition to just take their time. And we did. I mean, I thought our first inning was very well controlled. Um, Aussie played an absolute gem again. Um, Superlatives are starting to become a little bit thin in relation to Aussie, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's his first 100 over in uh, in England. Really held that innings together. Was backed up by some contributions in the middle order. Travis Head, 50. Cam Green, 38. Alex Carey, fantastic with 66. Yeah. Um, Pat Cummins, uh, a really fighting 38. But I just, yeah, it was... It was a little boggling. It was like, are they watching a different game to me? Yes, England are ahead, but, yeah. you know... At five for one seventy five, we get Bearstow out for ten. Yeah. Six for you know you know one ninety. Yeah. Heading into the bowlers and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're really talking about what a what a heap England have fallen in, and then in the in the third innings when they're you know five for one fifty and then six for one ninety six. We're talking Australia's well in the lead. Now, they've only got a seven-run lead when they came into that inning. So they were essentially five for 157 and six for 203 in the state of the game. So, mm-hmm. like, they weren't as far ahead as what some of – I mean, I actually loved that exchange between Kevin Peterson and Ricky Ponting where yeah. Kevin Peterson is talking about um, Joe Root. how Joe Root was just – this is in the second inning, yeah. mind you. It's not just the first bossing the game. He's bossing the game. And they um, had no idea of what to yeah. do with him. You lot, you lot had no idea. Hands were on hips. There was nothing going on. He was just so far ahead of the game and Ponting's gone – yeah, all right. He was out for forty, yeah. and that's what it is. Joe Root looked in complete control, walked past one, got stumped at four for one twenty nine, and um, and Australia. For, I think I think that was a massive turning point in the game. It was a huge turning point in the game when you consider as well. That's the first time he's ever been stumped in a test match. So for him to make that type of mistake at that period of the game it was crucial. I Absolutely. mean, if he, he bats for another hour going the way that he's going, we're not chasing 280. We're chasing 320, 330, and that may well have been a different story. I think it would have, especially with the rain. Yeah. We either then have to push harder because, let's face it, we were we were fairly slow in that fourth innings trying to chase those runs down, mm-hmm. especially on day five. Yeah. If we're chasing another 60 runs, 70 runs, we're probably being a bit more expansive and potentially lose more wickets, or it ends up being a draw, a draw because we don't yeah. make it in time. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, I think it's a bit overblown about how much an advantage batting quickly and and with this this cavalier style was getting England in the ascendancy. So don't get me wrong, they were in the ascendancy, and I think for four fifths, you know, of the game, they were. Like, oh, well, it's not even that. 20 runs. Until they were eight for 20 runs to go, I think Australia were, were behind. And at that point, it was like 20, less than 20, two wickets in hand, where we're now sort of evil level pegging here. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was just, it was really odd. It was like there was a contractual obligation to really be just selling yeah. basball. But I, 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 think, I, think, I think a lot of the pundits have been dazzled by this whole basball thing. And the proof's going to be in the pudding. They can continue to play the way that they play. We just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. We've got the players to beat this basketball yeah. thing. And with our bowling, we're, we're criticising Pat Cummins for his with defensive field settings, but when you're looking at it, he's dismissed the top five for under 175, 176 both times yeah. without putting too much pressure on the new batsman. I would love for a slight tweak moving forward where Cummins pretends it's a normal test game where we're not playing England and has... Uh, you know, three slips and a gully and catches all around until, you know, Duckett and um, Crawley. and Crawley get themselves, say, 10 or 15. Yeah. And then you go, okay, cool. The ball's not doing a great deal. We'll now come out. And when you get a wicket and it's, you know, now it's Harry Brook or it's Joe Root, don't immediately start no. defensive. Make them earn that right. I mean, we play that at, in our grade here locally. You come, A bloke comes out, he's got a reputation for being a bit of a slogger. You go to the captain, the captain's always like, oh, leave it up, leave it up. Let's see if he can hit one over us first. And then normally when you're playing third grade, they immediately go back that first boundary. But yeah. it's the attitude of an Australian to say, no, 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 they can earn 
Yeah, that, that, that was and probably I think, that's what I would like. Yeah. I, would, I love the containment idea. I think it's I think it's good, and it's proven at least in this test that it's worked. That it's it's pegged back some of their their other bats, but not named Joe Root. They haven't found it as as easy, or if they have been scoring runs freely, we've eventually got their wicket. Yeah. But I just would like the to play a bit more fire with fire. You know, yeah. I would love it for okay. You know, they're going to go after you from ball one. Come in first ball of a test match and rip one past his nose. Yeah, like, absolutely. What would the West Indies do if you if oh. England? If the West Indies of the seventies and eighties and England said like they did exactly what they did for the last eighteen months, jumped in a DeLorean, went back to the seventies to take on you know Marshall and Holding and and those guys, they're not setting sweepers out and one slip and like they're going all right <laughs> and it, you know, it's a different game admittedly but yeah. they're they're going after them and i think i would like to see the aussies going for the throat going for the throat more. first knowing that they've got box them in as a backup plan yeah well and the thing is too we've that's probably there was so much criticism about cummins captaincy this is a learning experience for him as well Okay, this yeah. is the first time he's really come up against these tactics and it's fine to, to sit there and watch it on telly and analyse every ball on the computer and, and stuff like that. But it's another thing dealing with the reality of it when you're out in the middle in the heat of battle. I thought at times he was too defensive, but I also thought at times he pulled the right reins. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna rate him out of ten for this test match, he's probably gets a six for his captaincy. Everything else is like getting a 10 yeah, because he was 10. absolutely outstanding in both innings with the bat. He was our, probably our best bowler in the first innings and clearly our best bowler in the second. I don't know about best. I actually think Hazelwood coming from a, that long layoff was underrated. A lot of people talking about you know bringing Stark back in for the next game at the expense. And I think personally, given the choice, I would be going with Hazelwood. If we needed to choose between Stark, Hazelwood and Bolland again, I would be leaning towards dropping Scotty Bolland. I thought at times he was a bit too predictable and didn't have enough left in his bag when they went after him, whereas Hazelwood was hitting those those short balls and shortening guys up and still not yielding anything on that line and length. No. I thought he was, in terms of containment, he was our best bowler. So I would be, if they were thinking we need to change it up, I think Bolland has... Especially if England are going to be bringing out flat, lifeless wickets. Yeah. If it's a big green seeming deck, that's a different story. But if it, if Lords looks like Edge Baston, and we're like, well, we need to change it up. No. It wouldn't be Hoff moving out. I think Hoff, no. Hoff plays at Lords for sure. Um, Boland unfortunately will probably be the guy who misses out here. And I thought he, I thought. He, he did didn't, pretty he didn't, well. He didn't he do a did, lot wrong. He did Scotty Bolland things. He didn't do a lot okay. wrong. He's just in they, that. Have, they have decided that he's the man who they're going to go after because he bowls that predictable metronomic line and length and he's the slowest of the of, of the three. You'll get away with that for a little while. Your criticism that you made your send is very valid too is he didn't seem to have you know, plan C or plan D. You know, plan A didn't work. He had plan B, which is, you know, go a little bit fuller, try and target the stumps a little bit more than what he normally does. Um, it didn't really work. I, I still thought he was – he gets a pass mark for the test. Oh, match, absolutely. No I don't think he bowled poorly. I just think that when the English came after him, it was a bit of, well, what do I do here? Yeah. Whereas, you know – Hazelwood was like, all right, well, you're going to come after me, have one of these, and would bowl a, a very effective short ball. Mm -hmm. um, and I was good to see the Hoff back. I thought it wasn't his greatest ever performance, but it's encouraging enough that he won't be dropped for the next test, that's for sure. Oh, and particularly it. at on ground, like Lords of that pronounced slope down the wicket, he will be driving people absolutely insane. Um, I've been making a, on our a chat that we've had going and some places online, I've been making... Uh, it's been I've been seeing things coming in from the English crowd, and uh, one of them's really annoyed me is how the the fallout from this game has been. Well, you know, we're at least are trying to save Test cricket. Well done for your victory, but you're playing a brand of cricket that's what going to what a load of hogwash. Yeah, you know, playing a brand of cricket that's going to cause the death of Test cricket. At least we're trying to save it. And I'm sitting here thinking, going for the better part of a century or more. Dour, conservative, boring cricket has been England's brand. You guys ship a Kiwi in for 18 months and play hit and giggle extreme 
and you guys are going to sit here and take the moral high ground that you're saving test cricket. What Australians used joke. to play ultra-positive cricket and just didn't give a name to it. They just called it playing cricket. Exactly. And, and the hypocrisy of you guys, the country that gave us Jeff Boycott. Colin Cowdroy. Colin Cowdroy. Chris Taveray. Do we, anybody remember him? If he he He's was still batting, isn't he? Apparently, <laughs> uh, so you guys have no moral high ground to take with Australia on the on the basis of entertaining cricket. You've got away with some stuff over eighteen months. When you're still doing it ten years from now, then we'll then we'll come back and talk to us, okay? And and if in ten years you've actually saved. Test cricket the way that you're pronouncing yourself to. What a load of hogwash. The other caveat that I don't agree with is I'm, I, I like baseball. I, I, I like what it stands e- everybody for. Everybody likes baseball. It's not the issue of not liking it. Everybody thinks it's the wonderful. The issue that I have is if it's such a an amazing match-changing, foolproof strategy that every, like that's the way to move forward, why is Ben Stokes ask for flat? wickets exactly and and that's and that's why i don't think you're saving test cricket if that's going to be the plan from now on ben stokes goes right english summers are now going to be roads where we can just go and bat without any fear of reproach and and we'll just do our thing that's bad for test cricket that's because very what, bad for test cricket because what it does success ultimately breeds copycats if England are winning a heap of games playing like this, eventually other teams are going to try and bridge the gap doing the same thing. So, and if then then if they then decide, well, the best way to do that is obviously take all of the life out of the wickets for our bowlers. So then you say the West Indies and Sri Lanka and South Africa would be that'd be devastating if South Africa did try to try to copy, and you just have all of a sudden these nations shifting to having flat, lifeless wickets so they can just bat uh, with you know without fear. That's terrible for Test cricket. If, if if they trotted out green English decks that they normally get, not green tops, but the normal um, competitive, a bit, of, a bit of life in the first session flattens out during the middle of the day. The best time to bat on the wicket will be uh, middle of day two to the middle of day three. It starts to do some stuff on the last two days. Traditional English yeah, wickets, a proper that, English wicket. That dross that got served up. That's borderline. I mean, we've been into the Indians about the way they prepare wickets and stuff like that. That is borderline That's as, the same it's not, thing. It's not even borderline. It's as bad. They've deliberately manipulated wickets to, to suit themselves, which is... Which is doc- they've doctored wickets. It's as flat out as that. But if that's the plan, if that's what they need to do to make it work, I don't think that's saving Test cricket at all. If England goes out and goes, right, on a you know a nice English-seeming green, like green normal competitive wicket, we do yeah. this. We go to an Indian raging turner and we play hyper-positive uh, cricket and we get away and we do this. We go to South Africa and Australia on fast, bouncy wickets and we also do this. That's fine. You get away with playing those conditions being aggressive, playing as aggressively as winning the game and the conditions allow you to play, that's a fantastic strategy. I think everyone can get on board with that. But if you are watering down the conditions to make it easier for you to play that, I don't think that's good for for test cricket at all. I think that's you're just turning into a five-day T20 then. Essentially, yeah. And it's probably the the big sour taste in the mouth for royal traditionalists that – they turn out that dross at, at such a historic venue. I mean, there's no and there's no need for it, really, is there? Well, they would do it against uh, New Zealand on fairly competitive exactly. English Exactly. I mean, they play. They played against India. They played against South Africa. They played against um, New Zealand on these competitive wickets and basballed them. But now all of a sudden you come um, and the, the South African attack for one is a very very fine bowling attack. So they clearly weren't worried about about doctoring the wickets to bring them to take them out of the game. Why have they done it in this situation? Because I mean I was being nice before they doctored the wicket. That's what they did to suit themselves, and it was. Very, very poor. How would you feel being Stuart Broad and James Anderson right now? Like you got, like they carried an abysmal batting unit for a number of years. Like they were awful. The jokes were that that um, Joe Root bats at four but opens the batting. Like that's the the joke yeah. that went around. They were disgraceful as a batting unit for a number of years. And Broad and Anderson kept that team relatively competitive 
off their own backs in their own backyard. And then all of a sudden now they've got a new coach, they've got a new lease on life, their batting unit starting to click, they're putting up all these fantastic scores, they've been chasing down massive fourth inning run chases, they're starting to look like the complete package. Then their captain goes and turns around and says, we're now going to be serving up this rubbish on your home decks. Where is the respect for for these titans of English cricket that now that you know now that we we have been just a laughing stock for ages and we're finally getting our own way we're going to take away the the one thing that makes you guys you know the best in the business because let's face it like Anderson for example was not used at all in the crunch because the conditions basically meant that he was. He, had no, he, he was ineffective. Ollie Robinson at 120 clicks is not particularly threatening without those conditions. Stuart Broad, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He was head and shoulders, head and shoulders, and which is the respect that I have for English bowlers. He yeah. was head and shoulders the best bowler on that in on that game, yeah, including oh, sure. Pat Cummins. And what he managed to do in conditions that, that shouldn't suit his style of bowling is immense. And I just think it's just a... It's a real slap in the face of the guys that have, have made you guys competitive at, at some level for as long as they were. We're going to then turn around and, and take that away. I, I think it's a dangerous direction that that Basball is. If this is the evolution of Basball now to just turn it into a one-day or T20-style um, pitch to allow more expansive batting, that, that's not good for test cricket. And clearly, it, I mean, obviously, if you're going to go that way too, then you can't continue to turn out attack of Broad, Anderson, Robinson. The only way that that will really work for you is you have some express pace bowlers as a point of difference. You're telling me England didn't miss Mark Wood. They missed Mark Wood very, very badly because they're all the same. And quite frankly, Ollie Robinson... You know, I know he's had a, a, a good start to his test career. He was found out here in Australia, and personally, I think he was found out in this game as well. 125 does not cut at a test level, particularly when you're not getting anything out of the wicket. Oh, in, in conditions, normal English conditions, he would be quite a handful, but the longer that they persist with these these flat wickets, I think you're going to find it's it's going to be very difficult, especially considering in their, in their, their back cupboard, They've got a small army of medium paces that can utilise seam and swing, but oh, absolutely, their their you know their arsenal of fast bowlers that will really help them in these conditions are few and far between because they're always breaking down. Yeah, I mean, Mark Wood is a, is generally in. I would wouldn't hesitate to say he'd be in the top five fastest bowlers running around anywhere on the planet at the moment, and just that fact alone should be getting him games. Um, I'm not sure what the strategy was when you, you've you've set out a flat, lifeless wicket and picked three very similar medium paces. And I've, I was quite disappointed in Robinson. Very, very poor. Um, and a lot of mouth, a lot of talking with not much, with not much substance to go behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose we'll get to that last day. And, and so England, I think, were, we, we would say were probably in the, well, maybe not in the ascendancy so much at the beginning of the day, but it was probably even keeled. But they, they dried up the runs, they cooked regular wickets, and uh, they were They, they were, were doing what they needed to do to win the game, essentially. And I was talking to someone who isn't a massive follower of cricket um, at work after, after the game, and I was like, cricket's one of those very unique sports where there are different levels of, of stress while watching it. So at eight wickets down, 54 runs, your your stress levels are, we need a miracle to survive this game. Um, and then the longer that goes, that stress level very soon turns into, my God, we couldn't lose this from here, could we? Mm-hmm. And, and I think in, in games like rugby league and, and, and soccer and other fast motion games, that whole thing could be we need a miracle from here and there's a break and they run 80 metres and score. And that whole stress is over just like that. But cricket, it's a very slow oh, yes. burn. It's a slow burn. And baby. I was sitting there for, for watching that partnership. You know, it's middle of winter here, so it's pretty cold. So I huddled on my blanket on the lounge watching this and at, you know, 8, 54, well, we're not going to win this from here. We need an absolute miracle chipping away, chipping away, you know, 
glance of boundary, you know, Cummins took 14 off route going, oh, maybe there's a chance and you're getting nervous because maybe there's a chance. And then it got down to, um, I think it was when uh, we were at 11, just before um, Lyon hit that shot off Stuart Broad to get it to seven. So you're going, two wickets and 11 runs. We should win this from here. We just need to keep batting. Just don't stuff it up and we'll win this from here. And it's yeah. just too... Two completely different, stressful things to do, yeah, and it's the, the just, conflicting and it's just, emotions in the space of such a short period of time is um and and it's the yeah. same it's the same thing. You haven't got your miracle yet, but your yeah. miracle you're stressing about has then turned into expectation, and it's yeah. it's such an interesting um uh, way of the sport unfolding that you don't often get to savor those um those moments like that for as long in in other sort of more fast paced sports, which is why yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is one of the reasons like I really like Test cricket because. You you can um, shuffle from you know the the underdogs to the expected winners yeah. all in the same in the same miraculous comeback as it uh-huh. would be. Um, yeah, look, I I I went to bed after Alex Carey was out, and even at that stage, I just had I just had the feeling that you know we were still in it. It didn't ever. I didn't ever actually feel, even though I seen the progression of wickets and stuff like. I didn't actually ever feel we were out of it. We always had enough time. We had enough guys there who could hold the bat well enough to get it. The fact that we got, you know, fifty odd runs out of our out of our number nine and our number ten. That's not an unusual thing to happen in Australian cricket. It's happened a lot before. And maybe not with these particular people, but at while you while there's balls there and you've got wickets in hand, you're always a chance. I'm going to go out right here now because I've been very vocal off the podcast and on the podcast about how I disrespect how Cummins has held himself as a batsman yeah. since taking a captaincy. Yeah, I felt for far been, too, been far too long. Boat. He when things got difficult for Pat Cummins. You know, copped a few bounces from Rabada. I'll just play a rash hook shot and get out while I'm still in with a batsman. You know, Jadeja's carving us apart, the middle of a collapse. I'm going to play a first ball slog sweep. None of that applies to this test match. Pat Cummins, I don't know if, you know, Alan Border FaceTimed him or Steve Waugh came and slapped him on the side of the head or something and just said, you're the Australian captain, you need to be better because he was better. That that is how I want Pat Cummins to bat, and not necessarily coming up with match winning forties and fifties all the time, no. but putting a price on his wicket. Yeah, um, it was it was it was incredible. It was yeah. what we expect from an Australian captain. Well, as I said earlier, you know he probably he probably got a six out of ten for his captaincy, but for the rest of rest of the game, he was absolutely outstanding. His first innings runs were very valuable as well. That was a very good knock that he played well, actually, in the first innings. Oh, I actually was very critical of Usman Khawaja in that partnership because Usman sort of dropped anchor and yeah. was struggling really to get any strike going, and Cummins was the one that was was actually pushing the game along. And I think that's something moving forward coming into this in the next, you know, four games is we need to be very careful of that we need to find a way to not necessarily we don't have to go shot for shot, but we can't afford to get bogged down like that and let the yeah. English box us in. Yeah. So and Green was guilty of it as well. Smith was guilty of it as well. The guys need to be able to find a way, not necessarily to play with ultra positivity, but finding yeah. ways to turn over the strike. And not everybody's Travis Head. So but we have to understand that particularly with some of the funky fields that Ben Stokes sets, the best way to get around those funky fields is to rotate. Yeah. Rotate the strike. And, and so not- he doesn't get to set like having eight guys in front of the wicket facing Uzi at one stage. You know, he doesn't get to do that if you can just work out how to knock it down around the corner and run. None of them are going to be in a position to field the ball. And that's what I miss about David Warner playing at his best. You know when David Warner's playing at his best, when he just leans on it and drops it at his toes, yes, big call straight away, and you just don't, like, tie him down like that. And I think think Warner's not far away. Uh, if if they throw up another innings like another wicket like that at Lords, you could really see him being played into some form. He looked pretty good in that second innings. Uh, he was too rash too early on day two of in the first innings where he needed to just knuckle down, see off the first twenty minutes because the ball wasn't doing anything. The clouds were eventually going to disappear and he would have really cashed in. But he he pushed too hard at trying to um to blast uh, broad through the covers. And obviously, then chopped on. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I would say though, as as 
impressive as the second innings 30 was, it's a second innings 30. Yeah. He's got two innings, in my opinion, to save his, his career. Place. Because yeah. if he hasn't come up with a meaningful score in these two innings, then really we've got to start looking at is the um, is it the best idea to, to can you continue persisting with him? I suppose if we win the game and Warner has a bad game, that will probably help protect him a little bit. Well, that's I think that's what he hasn't come under an awful lot of scrutiny from this game, probably for the fact that, like you said, he got a decent third, decent second innings and didn't get humbled, wasn't humiliated in the way that Broad was humiliating him in the last series. So the signs were okay for him. I'm you know I'm with you. I think he's. He's, a, he's an innings-by-innings innings proposition, really. Um, I I'm just don't understand that he's even in the team, but that's another story. The other one that I'm really concerned about is Marnus Labashank. He's sort of got this weird setup where he's batting in front of his stumps and then takes a trigger movement to be outside off, but for, he's still poking at the ball yeah. from there. He, early he's, Marnus, lost his, he's lost his off stump. Early Marnus Labashain was leaving those balls. Yeah. Similar sort of setup, but he was getting outside off stump and leaving that, and he was he's gotten out twice now. You know, fending at balls doesn't need yeah. to fend at. That's something that he's going to have to rectify because he's going to be an important linchpin in this Australian batting lineup, and he needs to get it right. So hopefully that uh, something that we, we know he's a cricket nuffy, he's going to yeah. go away and probably watch you know replays of his batting for hours and hours on end for the next week and and come out of that. Um, so it, he'll 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 fix it, but it's something he needs to be aware of and address quickly because once England England are good at finding a weakness and just and and nailing in on that repeatedly yeah. and exposing that flaw. Absolutely. Look, I'm one of the the big positives that have come out of this game is that Smudge didn't score a lot of runs, Marnus didn't score a lot of runs, Travis didn't really get away to any great extent, um, but other guys stood up. We got contributions all the way down the order. Carey was supreme. I mean, he really has gone to another level as a as a wicketkeeper batsman for us. Um, I thought I actually thought Cam Green. Was average in the first innings, fairly poor shot. He was a lot better in the second innings. But, yeah, he's got into that habit of getting himself a little bit bogged down at times. He needs to move it along. But there's so much upside coming from our batting lineup yet that England needs to be worried about that. If three of those guys click, say Smudge, Head and Green have a day out, we're going to score a lot of runs too. Yeah. So then, and, and Usman Khawaja looks like he's settled in quite nicely, and he's he's finding it, you know, run scoring in England relatively easy. Now back to back hundreds um, in English conditions, so yeah. uh, it's going to be good from the England side of things. I don't think they got quite a lot wrong. I think it, it's more attitude more than application. Um, I, some players got some starts, and some of them threw it away. I would be very concerned moving forward about. Uh, about Johnny Bairstow. Yes. Um, I, had a, I was having a discussion with someone online. I thought, you know, you know, England, there's a lot of people in Australia that have um, immediately started denouncing Basball because we, we got away with a skin of our teeth victory. Yeah. Um, if Ben Folks played, we lose this game. Just as simple as that. Now, people will come up and you go, well, Ben Stokes, Ben Folks wouldn't have scored as many runs as Bairstow did. Ben Folks has a test average of 30 or 32. If we just apply his batting averages, he scores 64. Uh, Bairstow scored 98, I think, for the innings. Yeah. And um, so he got 30 more runs than, in theory, what... Ben Folks would have scored. But he dropped four catches. But he dropped a number of catches and missed a very straightforward stumping. And I reckon that stumping alone cost England 50, 60 runs. Yeah. You factor in Cam Green's score and the partnership that he in turn had with Kawaja that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, um, yeah and, and that alone, he, that's made up the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, just that if he, if he drops the same amount of catches but takes that stumping, he's already a net positive. Yeah. For England, Ben Folks is over over Johnny Bairstow, and that I mean I feel so sorry for the guy because he's an elite gloveman. He is one of the very finest gloveman running around in the game of cricket today. His first class average alone suggested he can play as a batsman in in a lot of situations, and because of circumstances, whatever it is, I understand that you need to play, you needed to play Bairstow and you need to play Brook. 
Where that leaves you, I'm not sure. If, if Kim Bairstow opened the batting and you lose, obviously that's probably not Crawley had a, a had a decent time of it. He's now, but, Ben Duckett was the interesting one for me. I always had a feeling about him. He's got a little bit of a funky grip. The way he opens the face of the bat going towards slips, and Hazelwood found him out. They found him out. Cummins and Hazelwood found him out with that little pushing out towards that he likes to do, running the ball down behind point and everything like that. He's got away with it for a long time. He didn't get away with it in this test match. So it'll be interesting to see if he refines his approach too. Uh, they've, they've shown a propensity, though, to back play. They've got players in mind, and if they perform, they're given quite a long leash. So I don't anticipate there'll be too many changes to the batting lineup. Mo and Ali? Um, well, Mo and Ali, I think, will be there. If you're going to drag him out of retirement, you're not going to drop him after after one game. And, and to be fair, he... He went for a lot of runs, but he did take some important wickets in that game as well. Um, I think, yeah, to be fair, but and I, I mean, I'm not a great Mohamed Ali fan. He got one wicket in that game that he bowled the guy out. The others were kind of handed to him a little bit on a play. Uh, no, nah, he bowled a good ball to Travis Head in the second innings. Head played it poorly, yeah, but he he outfoxed him for that ball. Got a bit of extra bounce, grabbed the shoulder. But yeah, the the first innings, Travis Head. If that was Ravi Ashwin, Ravi Ashwin wouldn't have gotten that wicket because Travis Head wouldn't have been trying to hack yeah. Ravi Ashwin over mid wicket. Yeah. He would have treated him with more respect. It was the fact that, Ra- that Moen Ali was actually bowling so poorly is how he managed to get Travis yeah. Head out in the first place. And that over that Moen that um. Joe Root bowled to um, Cummins was a game changer. So, I mean, that shows, again, that the English have a problem with their spinner. And if they're going to play on these flats, low wickets, they need a spinner. You're going to have to find a spinner from somewhere. And, that and was, I don't think Mo and Ali is the answer. Oh, well, that's what we said right at the beginning, though, was that's going to be the, the turning point is that, you know, um, we have a top, two or three in the world test spinner and England barely have a test quality spinner. Wouldn't England love to have a Todd Murphy sitting in the dressing room? Yeah, well, Todd Murphy, if you'd say from what he showed over in India, is already better than any spinner that England currently have in their stable. Yeah. Not, I don't know their, their full repertoire of what's going on in county, but from what I've seen, he's a better player than Leach. He's a better bowler than Moen Ali. Uh, he's a better bowler than Dom Bess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a very – we're being a bit biased. It's a very small sample size. But, you know, look, performances, you know, say everything. How many games have Jack Leach or Moen Ali won off their own bat for England in the One time? Ball. Yeah, in the – in 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 the time that we've been here, oh, maybe two, yeah, two or three. Like I know Mo and Ali's won a couple of man of the matches in Tests, in in whatever. But he's I've never rated him as a Test quality spinner anyway. And to drag him out of retirement for t- after two years and say here you go, bowl fifty overs in a Test match, he was he was always being set up to fail. He was, and he's not a. He, he was. He was never an elite spinner in the first place. Exactly. England were talking about they dragged Michael Jordan out of retirement to come back and and play for them. And I think Mark, uh, uh, Mark Butcher said, it, and it's like, well, it, 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 I think he actually said it. It's not yeah. Michael Jordan, is it? It's Moen Ali. It's yeah. not exactly been a, a, a an elite quality spinner. Yeah. He's probably brings more to your lower order batting than he does to your your spin department, which is probably sinks into the the baseball philosophy. But yeah. when you're going up against Nathan Lyon and the plan is these flat wickets, um, it's a that's a massive advantage to Australia. Lyon was fantastic in in both innings. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to touch on before you sort of move on and we'll start talking about the girls is uh, Sir Ben Stokes' captaincy. I think for all of the game, he comfortably outcaptained Pat Cummins. Until we got to the time to win the game, yeah, he's. Um, I was actually a little bit puzzled at, at times how he was prepared to continue to allow us, particularly in that last partnership between Cummins and Lyon. They, there was a lot of easy singles that were taken in that partnership, and I'm sure he'll look back and go, "Well, maybe I, you know, at that stage, I really didn't need to have three or four guys on the boundary. I should have been. We got down to thirty runs. I really should have been." Put, trying to put the squeeze on them and say, well, go go ahead, hit me over the top if you, if you 
I mean, that, surely that's the, the logical gamble to do instead of thinking, well, if I just leave the guys out there, eventually one of those fellas is going to hit a ball out, you know, hit a, a catch to them. It didn't happen. No, I, I, too, I think that this, it was the, the big glaring weakness in the, the basball plan that they've got is they don't really have a plan for defending a total in the fourth innings when um, it gets tight. Yeah. And you can see from that. So he... he there wasn't really anything going on, so his default was let's go and set five blokes out back on the leg side and bowl bounces. Yeah. And then it nearly paid off. They nearly got line. But after that that half chance, he put that shot away, and they yeah. were happy to just to, to ride the to ball, ride the ball or get inside it. it. And yeah. then when it got down to 15 and 10, there was no like, all right, let's change things up and let's put in a leg gully and a leg slip and yeah. a bat pad and a bat pad on and the let's offside. Let's stick these funky guys in front of the wicket, you know, short covers and stuff like that, and, and, and pitch the ball up. Or even still go short, but if you're going to ride it, you're now going to ride it with three guys around you. It was very just, you know, we've watched Pat Cummins ducking and getting inside it and letting it go. When it gets yeah. there, he sort of just rides it or tries to paddle it just past Johnny Bairstow, just glancing it for one. Yeah. There was and, – and he, he – he choked yeah. in 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 matter like he balked. He he had the he had the his hand on the win, and then he just didn't have a where do I go from here? And he he played defensive. He set the five guys out. He bowled bounces trying to get them to to hook it for the win. And when it was sort of like they've they've knocked off fifteen of these last thirty yeah. runs, just chipping it around. Yeah, there was way he, there way was, too many easy singles in that partnership. So way too it, many. It's going to be you know if yeah you know, victory at all costs. Like where is what's you know, how was the development for Ben Stokes as captain's he going to move from here for this game where he's going to go? And I think that was, yeah, I think that's the, the big thing from that. I think they've per- got it worked out perfectly when the parameters are set. All right, we've bowled really well. Um, we've now been set 385 to win and we've got 120 overs to do it in. And they, they there's clarity. They know what they're doing. They know how to yeah. get there from there. But when they, even before, it was like, all right, 170 70 runs, we need seven wickets. And they had plans to, you know, try up Usman Khawaja and how to go about um, going after Cameron Green and Travis Head. And then when it came down to the fact that, you know, plans and schmans, we now need to figure out a way to take wickets and we're running out of runs. We've got two to get, you know, 20 in the bank. They're just... It was there was nothing. There was no the all of the the innovation went and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Ben Stokes grows from here because there's no doubt he's a quality captain. It's just yeah the but is there's no there's nothing in the handbook for that for defending you know ten to win with. He's been he's been an outstanding captain. Okay, now I think he's going to be asked some questions, like you said. What's the development of him? And the development of him will be directly correlated to the development of the baseball philosophy. Okay, because he is the the high priest of baseball, essentially. Yeah. All right. If he is prepared to learn from because he made a couple of mistakes on that last day if he's prepared to learn from those mistakes he will become a better captain and a much more lethal opponent um i thought he missed a trick a couple of times on the last day and certainly in that last partnership he really missed a trick once they decided they weren't going to play the the pull shot the, the, the tactics had to change like you said even if you continue to go short stick the guys around the bat yeah, and sleep. You know, it leave, makes no difference. Leave one or two out there for yeah. the one day when they go after it. Or, uh, but, but yeah, there was just all right. Well, we're not getting them out this way. What's the next plan? It's like, well, just stick to it. It'll happen eventually. And it's like, well, they don't need to hook for boundaries no. anymore. Like, we just you no. watch them. Just, I would wait, actually wait, be really wait. interested to see like uh, uh, the the schematics that they show where the runs were scored in that partnership. And I'm telling you, mate, there's 25 runs. Not not outside the thirty yard circle, where they just pushed, bundled the ball into gaps. Well, they pushed it to the circle and ran two on one occasion. Yeah. That was and it was, yeah. It's it's going to be big. It's it's going to be. We've obviously we've worked it out how we're going to go about it when we have the initiative and we can control our fate with the bat. But when we've got to go after it and get wickets, mm. I think that there's a bit of um, there's still a bit of cloud around the best way to go about it. Mm. Uh, that'll do with our Ashes wrap. We're looking forward to Lords coming up next week. There's going to be some more sleepless nights. And right after this, we'll get into talking about the upcoming women's Ashes. Go the girls.
Us Aussie fans are in for a real treat over the next few weeks because not only are the blokes contesting for the urn, but the ladies are over there strutting their stuff as well. We have a jewel ashes winter, which is very, very exciting. It's very exciting because I actually, um, oh, I'm a paid up member of the Australian Women's Cricket Team fan club, mate. I love watching the girls play. Uh, and I really, really think that the English are in for a very, very hard summer. Well, they are the, as you alluded to earlier, the women are the, the form team in the world um, of in all three formats, and they're going over there with a lot of confidence. Uh, no Meg Lanning, so um, Alyssa Healy will be captaining the side. Um, and as we alluded to, uh, she'll be coming down the order to captain and keep, and it looks like uh, almost local. Basically local. Oh, well, she lives like 10 minutes up the road, yeah. So. <laughs> local junior um, Phoebe Litchfield will be getting her baggy green after a really promising uh, one-day international debut. Obviously been strong in the WBBL. She'll be getting a baggy green and taking a spot at the top of the order, which is very, very exciting for a, a, a woman of 20. Yeah, uh, look, we were talking a little bit about this off-air. The production line we have for these female cricketers is just its just amazing to watch. I mean, young young Phoebe Litchfield's, what, 20. Alana King, she's 21, 22. We've got Darcy Brown, and who's 19, 20. 19, 20 years old. And these girls are already elite cricketers. Annabelle Sutherland. Like, yeah. there, there's, there's oh, a she's lot. a little bit older. I think she's about 22 or something, isn't yeah, she? That's still yeah. young. Yeah, it's still young. <laughs> it's still and young. then we've got, we've got the super. The stars in the middle order, like the McGraths and Elise Perry. Elise Perry. Um, she's just, she's really just, she's possibly the greatest women's cricketer of all time, surely. Oh, she absolutely. I can't, I can't imagine that there'd be anyone with a resume that had come close to Elise Perry when you're considering what she's done in Test cricket, what she's done in One Day cricket, what she's done in in, in T20 cricket. Yeah, it'd be yeah. uh, no one had come close. She's the she's the Bradman yeah. of her. What she's got, she's going to go down as. Statistically, almost impossible for someone to displace yeah. Elise Perry at this point. Uh, so, obviously, it's going to be uh, the um, combination series. We'll have a test match. I still think there should be two. Um, uh, should be a test match. There'll be some one days and there'll be some T20s. I do love the fact that the test match is at the double, start. Yeah, and it's double points. And so you you get you get four points for winning the test match. Um, but you only get two points for winning any of the shorter shorter format games. So you have an incentive right at the start of the series to play your best cricket and to win that test match. Yeah, but what I've seen in the last one is that we um, we uh, would play the first ones, and depending on the damage from those first limited overs games, teams would be like, well, we can't afford to lose this haul of points, so they'll play ultra-defensive to not yield that. Yeah. So coming as the first thing that you want to, it's now more, we have to get off to a good start and get these points. So there's more yeah. of a drive to actually win the game as opposed to, yeah, you know, just being uh, happy to hang on for a I draw. think the Indians did that in when they played that multi-series over there. They were down, they were down uh, a stack of points heading into that game. They knew if they lost the test. They, they couldn't possibly make the numbers up yeah. in the, in the T20. So they just batted really, really long uh, and just, with some weather conditions and the and the state of the pitch, there was just always going to be a draw. So coming first, there's no preconceptions. You you want to go out there, you want to win the test match. Absolutely. And I think that's a great way to start it. Um, the English team is going to be a slightly newer team to what we're used to as well. They've had a couple of fairly significant retirements from their old guard. Um, obviously no Catherine Brunn anymore, the spearhead of their attack. Um, some new fresh faces coming through as bowlers. Um, they, they're in a transition program, the English, at, at the moment, and it'll be interesting to see where they go. I personally think they've slipped down the pecking order a little bit in women's cricket at this point in time. I believe India are a, a better team than them at this point in time. So they, they've, got a, they've got a fair bit of ground to make up. They have slipped a little bit over the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, I, I really think that it's Australia's ashes to lose. Oh, yeah, and even without the, the transition period, you'd say that the English side is in. The form that Australia's been in, you'd say that they're coming in as strong favourites. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's Australia's series to lose. They've held the Ashes, I believe, now for what this be going on eight or nine years that they've yeah. they've held it. Um, they're arguably, you know, uh, Meg Lanning is going to be a huge out for them, but there are so many uh, uh, 
young women there ready to, to fill that gap. Um, England aren't going to lay down, though. They're, they're still a, a quality outfit. I think that they're comfortably th- third in the world. Yeah. Um, the, there'd be daylight between them, and it's sort of Australia, daylight, India, England, daylight, you know, South Africa, et cetera, yeah. sort of thing. So um, they're, they're in, a, in an arm wrestle with India for second in the world, and both of those sides are, are trying to take chunks out of the Aussies. But uh, it's going to take a Herculean effort, I think, for, for the, the English ladies to try and get up. But that being said, you know, who doesn't love an underdog? So they're in their home conditions. They're going to want to stand up in front of their home fans. And there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of young Australian women over there, and, you know, how many tours have they managed to go on and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So, and playing in foreign conditions and, and, and all sorts of things. So, there, there's a lot to play for. Uh, but, you know, the Aussies are going to be uh, locked in. Mm-hmm. And, it, like I said, they're, they're a cricket playing. They're a cricket winning machine. So, they are. it's going to be... They gonna- find a way. They have so many clutch players in that in that 11 and in their squad in general that they find a way to get it done. They're the sort of side that you just name the best Australian 11. And you can't you just, because there's so many, and there's so many in variables and that side, that, yeah. and they do a really good job of getting players a, a, a go. That whole um, easier to get in the team and out of it philosophy isn't really Doesn't prevalent. Apply with this. In, in the, no, they actually um, they're, they're quite happy to blood players and and yeah. and and they they play very much. The analytics that go into the way the Australian women's play is is very interesting because they are very much they play a horses for courses policy. They will pick players who you might not necessarily think should have been in the team ahead of this player, and nine ninety nine times out of a hundred they're coming up trumps. So I think in the limited overs games you can see it a lot when they've you know they've got some phenomenal bowlers. You know Perry and Shoot and. and Darcy, um, Darcy yeah. Brown, and all these, Annabelle yeah. Sutherland, and you watch them, and especially in like the T20s, you see, you know, shoot might only bowl two overs. They might yeah. have six bowlers in a T20, or seven bowlers, or eight yeah. bowlers in a T20. Yeah. And, well, they'll, not, they'll, they'll, they'll and they'll be well on top. They're not just searching for an answer, but no. they're trying to get all these guys, all, all, all these ladies, a go who deserve to have a bowl. And in the one days, it's the same. There's regularly you'll have bowlers that you would think, well, you know. Shoot or bowl ten. That's no. that's pretty simple. And she might only bowl six or seven because they've got us. No. They've got so many guns. That and they the all round the all rounders that we keep in this team as well. It's just you could not ask for a better balanced team than what the Australian women's cricket team is. They have strength at the top. They have strength in the middle. They have strength in the bottom. They're brilliant fielders. They're great bowlers. They're wonderful bats people. Yeah, so it's it's going to be riveting to watch over the next few weeks. So we've we're in for a real treat as Australian cricket fans because hopefully we're going to see the men win, bring back the urn for the first time in twenty two years, yeah. and we're going to see the women can go on their merry way and continue just treating world cricket like it's their personal plaything. And it's and we're going <laughs> to be pretty much like that, isn't it? It's like the cat playing with the ball. And uh, hopefully we get to see some of the, the Titans do their thing and some of these young guns. Alana King coming through and continuing what was an amazing Ashes campaign at home, going over to England and doing her thing. You know, Obviously, we've got Phoebe Litchfield, who's looking like she's going to be given the, the top job and opening the batting. It'll be great to see her just you know take to test cricket like a fish in water. Um you know, Darcy Brown, all these players, it's it's going to be a good watch and I'm looking forward to that first test kicking off. Um, need to play more test cricket, absolutely. We do. This needs to be a precursor to the women. I mean, surely they need to be planning for the next Ashes series that we're playing two tests. Women need to be playing multiple test match series. And, and you hear it from them that they want to play more test cricket. Yeah. Like, and I suppose it's difficult because there's no first-class cricket being played really anywhere but the same thing is just don't don't focus too much on that just no just put them in the they whites. have they have the skills it's all about developing the nous of how to play in the test cricket yeah, if you can play cricket you can play all forms of cricket it's just about learning the nuances and being fit enough and and tough enough to get through Five days of a mentally challenging game. Just because, because it's, the men it, it's have called got test cricket for a reason. Entrenched that you've got to have first class cricket to be able to play test cricket doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the stumbling block for women's cricket. If they're happy to take on the challenge of playing 
uh, of a four-day or five-day cricket because they see that as the, the pinnacle of how cricket should be played. You don't have to move heaven and earth to then develop a domestic system for each country so no. they can play first-class cricket. It's very but different for the women. If, if they're prepared to go and take on that that task with um, you know predominantly playing red by sorry white ball cricket. Um, domestically, that's fine. Let them do it. There's enough time in the women's calendar to do that. Yeah. And you know, if it means that the the the, the entry level for for, for long form cricket is at the international level, then so be it. They they need to be playing. They deserve to be playing. They want to be playing yeah. Test cricket. And their performances suggest that people will watch them. People are interested in what they're doing. They need to be encouraged. This is where the ICC. We're not going to go down this rabbit hole about the ICC, but some leadership from the top would be really good, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us for that podcast. Hope you're very excited for the remainder of the Ashes series. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, having a, a bit of a chat about um, the, we'll have the, the wrap-up of the women's test and how that went. And, uh, and a we'll preview also, of the next Ashes test as well. A bit of a preview of the next Ashes test, but more importantly, we are going to be coming to our next destination on our tour of the, the one day sunny Caribbean, man. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're going to be doing the West Indies, the all-time West Indian one-day side, and you know that that is going it to is be going to be, It's going to be hot, baby. <laughs> Until next week, guys. Bye for now. Over. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.